listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We are the Elsers. Welcome to Elsers, a production of Galactic Network. I'm Gregor Sprague, and joining me is Corey Scott. Um, for all info on this show, including show notes, subscription links, and many more, you can go to um, Galactic or GNCast.com. And um, on Elsners, we will shoot our mouth off, we will swear, um, we will spoil things. So you have been warned on both parts. Corey, how you doing? I'm good. I'm sorry I couldn't be here last week. I was traveling. And on the way back, I was flying United, and the guy who had my seat wouldn't give it up. So I was really pissed. And uh, <laughs> what's worse is I already put one of my bags in the uh, overhead, and it had my pet scorpion in it. So I lost him. Uh, it's just been – it was shit all around. But that's okay. I'm a gold member. They'll take care of me. Oh, shit. That reminds me. Did you see SNL this week? Uh, yes. Yes, I did. So, <laughs> the United Pepsi sketch. Yeah, that was that was pretty solid. And in fact, I, I knew I knew when I realized what uh, Fallon was in there doing, what his character was. I'm like, oh, well, then Beck Bennett's playing the guy who did the Pepsi commercial from last week again. And that was <laughs> it was a it was a reasonably solid episode. All things considered, it was not bad. Yeah. Uh I have to say, Aaron and I were both really impressed with Harry Styles' performance. Um, Dude, okay. I said this earlier. I was because I was uh, bored out of my mind today at work. Only sold things related to, well, actually only ran the register one time um, to sell a a girl the iPhone 7 adapter, headphone adapter thing, and a cord and a charging cord. Um, that was it. So that's all I did sales wise, and I was I threw in because I I was looking through the new releases because I've had his song, the the first song he's saying. Um, I I can't think of the name of it. It's like uh, just a matter of time, or whatever. Um, stuck in my head, and it's because I've heard One Direction songs before. You know, I'm I'm not a fan of One Direction. I'm it's but it's not I'm not one of them. Like let's hate on One Direction, but I heard him sing this, and I'm like. And again, the language is going to come up. People are like, what the fuck? This is Harry Styles. It sounded like he was doing kind of a Joe Cocker thing. Yeah, uh, it had it had a definite soul feel. But I, I was telling Aaron, I'm like, you know, we we still in our heads we think of One Direction as this boy British pop band, uh, which they they absolutely are. They they are a, 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 they epitomize that. But then their their second major album release was practically all like Mumford and Sons in yeah. in the the songs that were released at least. So we knew that they were capable of doing stuff that wasn't just that standard poppiness. Um, and and it's like Justin Timberlake coming from NSYNC. You know, he's a multi-talented guy. And it, it's not to say that anybody else in NSYNC wasn't talented, but there there certainly are the standouts in these bands uh, from yeah. time to time, or these groups. 
but it was still it was a pretty impressive show. It was I would it, have both to, songs were pretty solid. I would have to say this though about One Direction. Um they've got the most standouts from the boy bands that have been oh you know now I'm sticking with American ones, so I'm grouping them with NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, 98 Degrees. Which they're um, not. I mean, you'd have to go with stuff like what Robbie Williams came from. Robbie Williams, yeah, Williams with, is uh, one of those guys. That. Yeah, who, like, take that was, was all fine and good and everything in that era. But then what Robbie's done since then has been incredible. Yeah. But I mean, but going with that, because, I mean, it's, it's one of these things, like, to go with, like, with what I grew up with, with the boy bands, which was, you know, 98 Degrees, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys. You had the few standouts um, mm-hmm. in there. You know, your Justin Timberlake's. Your, um, I'd probably go the Nick Carter on for the Backstreet Boys, and then Nick, Nick Lachey for Ninety Eight Degrees. But with this, you got with One Direction. I mean, you got, and this isn't a One Direction fan cast, so don't even try going down that route. But I mean, Zayn Malik is a good singer, you know, and a talented solo artist um harry styles is great um i heard uh liam i can't i don't know what his last name but he's the irish one um and it's like okay i think there might be one person who's like hey can we do a reunion can we do one direction (laughs) back together sort of deal but i mean it's like they're all it's like wow i i didn't expect it i was pleasantly surprised with seeing that and it is it was that voice i mean even from listening to the song through google play with harry styles that i'm like i like your snl performance better because it had that soulful sound to it and i'm like i'm like i didn't hear any of this during one direction like it sounded like he was singing a lot but you're not supposed to it's a different style of music yeah It, it it and and that's the thing is is you can be capable of doing other things when you're when you're first discovered doing one thing and and doing that one thing well and and they're they're a super group they're they're well regarded um yeah. I, I i'm trying to think of like other boy bands that had breakouts and all i can think of really is new edition you know because while yeah. there were while there was the jackson five michael was the big standout and janet from like the whole jackson family but while Tito and Jermaine had their own albums, they were never really that big. It was more like you get the Jacksons back together and they'd have a hit single again. But New Edition had a few of the guys that like went from working together to doing stuff separately. Uh, New Kids had Donnie, but Donnie didn't do a lot separately, uh, according to what Evan's bringing up in the chat. Uh, acting, but not other music. You know, Mark Wahlberg had a bigger solo career from getting kicked out of new kids on the block because you know, he done fucked up and uh, wait, Mark Wahlberg was in new kids. Mark Wahlberg was originally supposed to be in new kids and he got replaced with Joey when he went to jail for beating up a guy. Uh, A lot of people don't talk about the old Mark Wahlberg shit, but that's when he, when he got released, he later on did the funky bunch and fucking history was made. I think they even made a joke about that on something recently. I think Donnie and Jenny McCarthy were were calling him or something. And they made some joke about the fact that yeah, you know, he he wasn't even in the band that long. They they'd already replaced him once, um, but still, yeah. So it was overall the the whole show was was okay. It was pretty good. 
certainly being the the first episode that they did coast to coast same time was interesting. Uh, we liked the celebrity family feud where Jimmy Fallon actually ran back and forth playing two different versions of John Travolta. Uh, that was very good use of quick yeah. change. And and those are always fun sketches anyways, because you get to see everybody play the different characters and, and, and spicy, you know, the Sean Spicer sketch, Milson McCarthy still is probably the funniest thing that's happened in that show this season. And that's including all the, the Donald Trump stuff in general, but yeah, but she, Really, just like when she's on there, she just holds the character so perfectly, and how she manages to not crack up doing some of those lines and just speeding through it—it's—it's uh, it's pretty uncanny. So, I mean, a lot of people like to give Melissa McCarthy shit uh, for Ghostbusters or just in general because she blew up so fast and was in everything. But that's the same thing as like Seth Rogen being in everything from the last ten years. Uh, or a lot of the the different Judd Apatow people are just like, oh, and now we're going to see a thousand things with Paul Rudd in it. Yeah, but yeah. you know the reason why Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen and Melissa McCarthy are in so many things is because they're fucking talented and because they draw an audience. And this just kind of proves that it's not just what she does in the movies where it may be a lot of the same characters and stuff. She can do other stuff and she's really good at it. No, oh, yeah, definitely. Um, but anyways, let's get into the news. Um, and the first news story is that there is a crossover special event coming up from Marvel. Um, and now, wait a second. About- Hold on. Didn't we just talk two weeks ago about how Marvel said after Secret Empire they weren't going to be doing any more events for 18 months? Yes and no. Yes, we did talk about that, but... What I think they're going to go to, and I think I might have said this then, honestly, I don't know because that was two weeks ago, um, is they're going to do something with what DC, like something similar to what DC's doing with their stuff right now, where you, they've got the, you know, crossovers with with a couple of books. So the um, limited, the limited uh, crossover, yes. the or even a mini series, which would make a certain degree yeah. of sense, yeah, actually, as opposed to I having think... it be spanning the entire breadth of titles. Yes. So, for example, with this, like what I'm thinking of right now, with the in DC, this would be like um, the Justice oh God, League I'm... Suicide Squad crossover yeah, that just, just happened. Yeah, the Justice League Suicide Squad crossover, um, or the, the Teen Titans Deathstroke one that's coming up. Yep, that one, or the Button with Batman and the Flash, which is starting this week. Yeah. Um, or they did the one with Superman and Action Comics. Um, so, so stuff like that where it's focusing, it's not going to be like, all right, here's Civil War 3, and here's the tie-in with Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel and Captain America Sam Wilson and Captain America Steve Rogers and all and, these. And to be fair, DC does look like they have a big event coming up uh, being done by Scott Snyder uh, that focuses on Batman, but looks like it's going to be encompassing more of the, the yeah. DC universe as well. It's going to be a bigger deal, but it's yeah. been a while since they've had something like that. And, and that's the thing is that they are pacing those things out a little bit more than what they were doing. It was before it's, it's been like Marvel's been, which is another event every six to 12 months at minimum. And, yep. and Marvel, we realize, or they're starting to realize it's been a bit of uh, too much. I'm also starting to realize that where we talked about this in the discussion last episode, because uh, I was just going to say something we talked about there. So if you want to get in on the whole event thing, watch or listen, watch or listen to last week's episode or the last episode that we did, 
Um, but this one is that Spider-Man 2 will reunite Peter Parker and Miles Morales. Um, or will unite Peter Parker and Miles Morales at last. Um, so Corey di- didn't read the first one, um, but I believe this has the same creative team. So it's uh, Brian Michael Bendis and uh, Sarah Pacelli, um, who they were doing the Miles Morales book for the longest time. I think still are doing the Spider-Man, the Miles Morales Spider-Man book. Um, but the first one came in 2012, and this was a five-issue, um, and it, there was just five issues of this, which um, was... At the, the, so the last time that this happened, the Ultimate Universe still existed separate yes. from the 616 universe. It was before Secret Wars 2. It was... Uh, it was before ca- uh, Cataclysm, even. Right. So it was, they were two separate universes they had never met before. It was taking Peter Parker that we knew from from the regular Marvel Universe and introducing him to the Miles Morales character who had replaced the Peter Parker in the Ultimate Universe who had recently died and had become the Spider-Man of that universe. And it was the first crossing over of these characters in that respect. Now, since then, the Ultimate Universe got wiped out. Uh, Miles Morales has come from the Ultimate Universe to the standard Marvel Universe, although that Marvel Universe isn't really considered the 616 anymore. It changed because of some things that happened during Secret Wars. Uh, and so it's there's a lot of confusion as to whether or not Miles Morales, as we know him now, actually remembers being a part of a different universe. Like now his mother is alive again. Uh, yeah. She had died over there. And there are so- some questions as to how much of it he recalls. So uh, this is something I want to hit on because I was thinking about this as you were saying all this. I do still think it is technically the 616 universe just because of um, certain books like the recent crossover event that we had with um, uh, Miles Morales and the Spider-Gwen book where they would go back and forth and it would be Earth 65 for Gwen and Earth 616 for Miles. A lot of people seem to think that it's not exactly the 616 anymore, that a lot of things change because of the combinations and stuff. And it's been manipulated by uh, Reed Richards and by Molecule Man, who are outside of it now that are kind of having a hand in how things shaped up. Molecule Man, so one of the things that happened, I guess, in that crossover is that Miles and Peter met up with Molecule Man at some point and Molecule Man was really hungry and he's like, do either of you have anything to eat? And Miles had a hamburger that had been in his pocket for about 15 years in a stasis time bubble, which the 15 years didn't count, but the like week that had still been in his pocket before that did. Uh, so it must've been from McDonald's. And uh, <laughs> so Miles was like, oh yeah, you know what? I have this hamburger in my skin tight outfit uh, that's just been stinking it up next to my ball sack. Uh, here you go. And, and that Molecule was Man, Secret Wars. Yes, and Molecule Man enjoyed the burger so much, uh, extra spidey flavoring, that he said, thanks, kid, I owe you one. And it may be that the owe you one was either sticking him in this new universe or, more likely, being the reason why his mother is alive now in this new universe. Yeah. Um. So to fast forward in through with the whole... Um, Spider-Man 2, or in, in Spider-Men, at the end, Peter Parker is, you know, he after just successfully saving the day over there, 
Um, he had a couple roles over there. He was one capturing Mysterio, but two was for a very young, like he, I believe Miles in in this time is like 13, 14 years old. Um, and was trying to live up to the legacy of the ultimate universe, Peter Parker. Um, he was, so he was looking up to, um, you know, the 616 Peter Parker um, throughout the whole, this whole ordeal. Um, but we get through and Peter does a Google search at the end of who is Miles Morales. On his earth. On his, yes, on his earth. He's in his shower and all that stuff. And uh, and does this? So this is where it's Wait, gonna Google search on this kid in a shower. That's weird, no, man. No. He, he he got done like you know you know the the pre the post game shower and all that stuff. You know, getting all that because again he's wearing skin tight outfit here, so you got to get the spider funk off you. And so as he's as Word. he's drying his hair, and you know, much like a lot of people do, you know, I, I hear of these things because I mean my hair isn't that long, but you're sitting there and you're just you know drying your hair and you're all of a sudden you're like wait hold on and you're thinking about other things than just like okay back forth back forth back forth and all that and so he thinks well if he knew me the the peter parker in in his earth who's the miles morales on my earth and then he googles miles morales like who is miles morales um that's what they're going to answer here i think then closing a a, a storyline, a story point that seemed to have have been gotten forgotten, or many people thought retconned, um, and all that. Yeah, no. So here's a couple of of, of points of contention, just because that's who I am. One, uh, I use Google. You ever just Google somebody at random, just like put in some random name into Google, and no, uh, no, and no, and what no, kind no, of success no. do you usually have? Of like not not celebrities. Not politicians, not sports stars, but just random person. Like here's a random person from work. Hey, hey, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google you and see what I find. What do you think you're actually gonna find? Usually not a lot, um, oh, unless that's a person of actual note. It, it's it's it. I don't know how much you get just from googling somebody. You would be surprised. I no, did this I, with I, a friend. I, no, I, I did this for a friend because I noticed he hadn't had or his Facebook had gone away. I'm like, where is his Facebook? And it was one of these, the, the joint ones that a lot of my people do, or a lot of people I know that do will, with like the husband and wife thing. I'm like, okay, where's, cause I'd seen him, but not her. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And all this stuff. And I'm like, all right. And I did a search and I found like on the first page, a website that had his address, a phone number. Um, what if he had had uh, political party affiliations? I'm like, Holy shoot. <laughs> I mean, I found that site recently that was like you can put in anybody's name or something and you can find out a whole bunch of stuff about them. That's not necessarily yeah. Google. Uh, but and and also this is like as we're going forward, it's getting to be more like that. But when Spider-Man one came out, I just don't mm. know. I just don't know that. Hey, here's this kid that I never heard of before. I'm going to put his name into Google. Plus, he should be 13. So he shouldn't even have a Facebook account at that point in time, or at least not much of one. Uh, so I just question what makes Peter Parker say "whoa" when he looks him up uh, that that the name would have given him. But secondly, here's the other part: is that we now do have a Miles Morales in this universe. 
So what, we're going to have two of them? You know, is this going to go back to that other continuity storyline or is this going to be, well, now we've, we've got Peter Parker hanging out with Miles Morales on a regular basis, uh, pretty much in these books. And so for the last year that they've been kicking it, uh, Spidey style, he hasn't thought to mention, oh, by the way, buddy, you'll never guess, but when I met you at another universe, do you remember that? I don't know if I remember that, but maybe we remember that, maybe we don't. Uh, Then I, I Googled you when I got back here, and there's this whole other guy, you know, and, and I just... I'm not quite sure what this story is really aiming for at this point because we we I, have a Spider-Man and Spider-Man crossover that kind of continues to happen already. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what this new series is really supposed to be other than Bendis is like, "Well, I left it open, so I'm just going to go I'm just going to go fill this with something uh even I, though it doesn't really make a lot of sense." Yeah, and and I don't think because, I mean, there's been a lot of things that have happened since then. I mean, we had a Secret War. We've had a Civil War. We've had a Spider-Verse um, that we've seen the edge and the whole of. Um, and there have been uh, Jackals, you know, clone conspiracies. Oh, God. Good God. I've, I read way too many fucking comics. <laughs> there have been all these things that have happened in between Spider-Man and actually, also, I think in there, um, he's his brain has sort of gotten taken over by Doctor Octopus, um, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of things in there that. Also, have... he he's hanging out with his his dead ex girlfriend, uh, except mm-hmm. she's a teenager from another world. And how do you how do you look at oh, her he's going and, out oh, with Miles Morales? Oh, sorry. What? Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, and by the way, uh, hey, sixteen year old girl, uh, I kind of used to have sex with you. Um, but, but don't worry about it because when you had kids, they were actually by my arch nemesis who then killed you, uh, and, and cloned you and stuff. But that, that's, that's something, that's a whole other level of weird that it's not as weird as just me being 30 something years old and looking at you and going, yeah, I hit that sort of, uh, it's, it's like this whole convoluted mess of continuity with Marvel is, is just a little frustrating as it is. And I, I don't want to like piss on the characters because I really like Miles Morales and I, I, in, in theory, like spider Gwen, but it's just, it's so weird to have them all running around together, uh, which leads into this other thing that you posted about earlier today is Marvel has this other thing that they're, they're sticking up on us called legacy, uh, which may be, we're, we're not sure if it's an event. Uh, it shouldn't be if it's not 18 months yet. Um, but it might be like their next version of Marvel now, except Marvel Legacy, where they're going to try to reintroduce some of their original characters, the original versions of characters, like the original Thor is back as Thor and Tony back as Iron Man and stuff we talked about last show. Um, and maybe still having some way of including people like Sam and uh, Jane, Thor, and and whatever else. But it's it is just tough as a as a lapsed fan as a potential new fan as a person who's watching the movies it's just it's always weird to me to try to describe this to somebody who's not 
intimately familiar with everything and say, oh, well, this is how this works. And here's the original X-Men who came from the past to the present and then changed a lot and and aren't really from the past now, maybe. And it's just such a weird thing to try to, to work with. And then you have someone like Bendis who... Bendis writing Spider-Man is probably about as great as Bendis gets, you know, or his own stuff or uh, Jessica Jones. But he sort of has carte blanche to the stories that he wants to tell. It, it feels like when Bendis wants to tell a story, continuity doesn't matter. Uh, other people's storylines don't matter. It's just like, I'm just writing it this way and people will deal with it. And that's kind of a tough thing to deal with if you're like, say Dan Slott writing the other Spider-Man stuff and going, wait, what did Bendis just do with my Spider-Man? Um, okay, I'll try to figure out how to make that work later in my own books. Yeah. I don't know, man. No, yeah, I mean, it's... I do think it's going to be a fun read, but at the same time, I do think it's going to be one of those... Um, one of those things that we we will need to wait and see on. When it and it, it will very likely be entertaining, if nothing else. Yeah. Even if it doesn't make sense, it'll be entertaining. Bendis is a very good dialogue guy, and he's, like I said, he's very good with Spider-Man, uh, both yeah. versions of Spider-Man. Uh, so I'm sure it'll be enjoyable for the people who like his stuff and, and like Spider-Man books. It, it's just, it's hard to say at this point what it's really, what he's going for in this. Yeah. Um, well, here, let's move on to the next news story. Um, and this is hitting on another aspect of the fandom that is uh, Greg or Gregor. And that's uh, Ghost in the Shell gets a new anime f- from Kenshi Kamiyama and Shinji Aramaki. I'm butchering them names and I apologize. It's because I am not fluent in Japanese. Um, but um, Kondasha and Production IG announced um, a couple weeks ago that a new anime series based on um, Mesamune uh, Shiro's Ghost in the Shell manga has been greenlit, and it is being done by um, Kenji Kamiyama, who did uh, Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex, and Shinjin Aramake, who did um, Appleseed. They will be co-directing the anime. Um, there, there hasn't been anything released as far as format and release dates. Um, but yeah, this is, um, pretty cool seeing as how here we've, we had the movie come out with Scarlett Johansson that, um, was a thing. Had some challenges. Yeah, had some challenges, and um, I will. I I didn't see it. I'll be honest. I did not see it. Um, I'm probably gonna wait for just because I haven't seen. Um, you know, I haven't seen you know good reviews on it. So I'm like, eh, I'll wait until it comes out. Uh, I gotta be honest. It, with all the the hoopla of 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 the reasons, and 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 I'm not gonna argue the authenticity of of the reasons that people had for not seeing it. I just looked at it and didn't think it looked like a very interesting movie. Uh, yeah. it, it looked like a lot of other stuff that comes out that is a lot of CGI 
and a lot of of standard guns and action and things that that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, but just isn't enticing to me. Like it, it looked like stuff that I've seen so many times before that it's not enough to draw me out of my my home to go see it in a theater. Uh, and, and that's I it. Lucy was very successful when Lucy came out for for what the movie was. But again, I saw Lucy not in the theater when it came to cable later on. And same sort of deal. It's like, it's fine. I watched it. It's perfectly okay. But it's not like something that I'm screaming that I have to go see more of this or that I feel like I missed out by not seeing it in the theater when it came out. Yeah. And And I like Scarlett Johansson. But I just wasn't interested. so I'll ask you this, because I believe you said in the pre-show that you've seen, you saw the original anime. A long time ago. I mean, I used to yeah. work in, in comics retail, and we used to play a lot of anime in the in the stores. Uh, I couldn't tell you a lot about it at this point. Like, the, the anime I remember watching the most was things like the, the Ranma one-half. Uh, I was into the series called Key the Metal Idol that I thought was really good. Uh, Record of the Lotus War, which is kind of like a, a Dungeons and Dragons type fantasy thing, except mm-hmm. in anime. Uh, those sorts of things. And Ninja Scroll, because Ninja Scroll was just badass and awesome, but really kind of dirty and freaky. Uh, yeah. Those are those are some of the classics. And, and this is definitely a classic, but it, again, like it wasn't something that I was super into. I, I know that a lot of people really are. Uh, another story that uh, Beatmaster put into the doc for us is that they're going to be doing a live action Akira and uh, Jordan Peele is apparently going to be doing that film which is great for Jordan Peele I'm very excited for him I remember seeing Akira and the same sort of thing it's cool when you're watching it but it didn't leave enough in my brain to make me go oh yeah I'm, I'm a huge Akira fan now it's like visually it's awesome but I don't have like Akira love or anything. Yeah. Um, so going back to why I had asked you about where you had seen it was because um, I've, I'd seen, I had seen Ghost in the Shell through standalone complex um, where they retooled um, one of the movies and made it into a TV series for adult swim. Um, and then later watched through Hulu um, the first Ghost in the Shell movie. Um, I, I think it was like a re-release or something like that. And there are scenes in the trailers that I've seen from Ghost in the Shell, the uh, live action one, that I'm like, okay, these are beats taken from the anime. I right. should like this. I should like this. But then hearing people that I respect um like uh oh god uh major spoilers um i'm I'm blanking on his name he's on the morning stream on uh mondays um say that he didn't like it uh steven steven schleicher uh that he didn't like it from the beginning like i might hold off on this now um yeah i mean well that's another thing too is that if i've seen a movie done in in uh, an anime or a cartoon form and and i'm already a fan of that thing do i need to see that redone beat for beat in a in a live action thing because that's what disney's yeah. doing like they they redid the jungle book and i i saw some of it on a plane uh-huh uh not kidding actually and it, it just 
like it's fine, but it it's nowhere as appealing to me as it was seeing that cartoon years ago. Uh, the Beauty and the Beast that just came out, same sort of thing. It's like I seen Beauty and the Beast. It, I liked it. It it it's not my favorite Disney movie, but it's certainly a good movie. And yeah. I have no interest in going to see the live action remake of it with all the the little fucking uh, household adornments looking really creepy in it uh, to me. The the new Luminaire and everything just they don't sit right with me on top of the fact that it's like, I know the fucking movie. I know yeah. the story. I know everything about it. I enjoyed it as a cartoon. So why do I need to see this done again with live action where it's probably not going to be as good. And it's, it's going to just try to like milk my nostalgia and my nostalgia is milked just fine by watching the fucking original over again. Yeah. And, and, and I probably should rephrase this a little bit then, but from the trailers i had seen bits from there that were, were from the original from rewatching it like there's the scene where she goes like she moves her hand over her face and when her like as her face like she's got floating head and then boom she's like you know vanished and stuff like that or the fighting in the puddle um and then there's a few other scenes that are from the the original anime it's like that stuff. Okay, yeah, that, that's that's a cool thing. Like you know, give a shout out for the longtime fans. That's, but you know, keep it, you know, different enough to where they're not gonna be like, it was better in the movie. It was better in the in Japan. It was better in the cartoon, or it, yeah. I don't even know if it's necessarily that it was better or worse. It's just, I think it's unnecessary to straight up adapt the same thing over again. Now. We've seen the. I don't know. Have you seen the trailer for the new Thor movie? Yes. And okay. I. Oh God, it's so fucking good. It looks great. It looks absolutely great, and it mixes things like stuff that we recognize. We recognize the Planet Hulk stuff. Uh, we recognize yep. Hela as a character, and when they show Hela in the full-on garb with like the big headdress and everything, that looks so fucking amazing because it's straight out of the comics. And I'm not saying that you can't have something that's an homage to the previous versions of it. But what I, I am saying is that if I like Ghost in the Shell already, then going to see the same movie just reproduced with live action, with live acting doesn't really give me enough to compel me to do it. Yeah. Uh, if I if I like another movie, uh, they did this with Psycho. Back in the 90s, they did the the Vince Vaughn version of Psycho, shot for shot, redone, um, based off of the original one. And it was a flop. It was a total flop. Because you don't need to do that. You don't need to remake the same damn thing. If you want to make something that, that's got, you know, new stories that have to do with the original characters or do something that's at least slightly different to, to warm it up, although people are going to, judge you and not unfairly against the original in that case anyways but at least make it interesting in that regard and i just don't know this wasn't interesting to me yeah and, and i don't think it was interesting to people who were fans of the original anime either i think that they really in some cases yes they found it disrespectful because of the fact that there were caucasians playing characters that they didn't feel should be played by caucasians and and i'm not going to argue whether that's the right thing or the wrong thing you know, it's it's unfortunately it's that's the reality of Hollywood, is that they mm -hmm. they bank their stars and the most bankable stars at this point still seem to be Caucasians, so that's how they're going to do things. Um, 
but it it would be nice to see change in that regard. I always say that it would yeah. be nice to have more inclusion. But I still think that even sidestepping that, people who who should have been interested in this, they I don't think that there's a reason to compel them. I think that if you have that movie come out and at the same time you have the the actual anime available to watch on Netflix or to just like go buy a new special edition on DVD, I think a lot more people are going to buy the DVD than go see the movie. Mm-hmm. And Beat, Beatmaster is bringing up a, a very good point about this, is that most reporters talking about the whitewashing aspect never saw the source material absolutely and, yeah there's there's a, there's the the hunt on the internet of like who can we fucking feed on today who can we point out that they're doing something wrong and just like everybody's just like oh did you hear about ghosts in the shell and how all these white people are in it and it shouldn't be white people because it's a japanese film and everything and it's like well do you have any actual information about that have you ever seen it no then shut the fuck up i know you want to get your clicks but shut the fuck up I'm an yeah, un- it's, uneducated bastard all the time talking my fucking mind, and I get it. I'm being hypocritical, but shut the fuck up. No, yeah, like, like I mean, honestly, out of that, like, the Scarlett Johansson character I could see being, um, being Asian, you know, being Japanese, but um, the one I think it's Saito that has the prosthetic, um, the eyes, the circle things instead of eyeballs, um. He always in in the anime he looked to me to be white. Um, same with the other guy who had, like the mullet. Um, um, I, I think it was Baito. Um, also seemed to me to be white. A, a lot of anime characters look Caucasian. Yeah, and that that's by design. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are, but a lot of the characters also don't have a race, uh, including fucking robots. Uh, yeah. So it's it's kind of a it's it's a weird thing to say, but I always say that if if the person who wrote or made the original thing doesn't really have a problem with it, then it's probably not up to us to judge them on it. And I believe I could be wrong on this, but I believe I saw some stuff from the originator of Ghost in the yep. Shell, who did the original manga, saying, "Yeah, uh, this character was never." Japanese or this character was always able to be Caucasian in my mind and so I don't take issue with it so now that could also just be a person who's like well you know maybe they were supposed to be Japanese but right now I've got a big fucking movie check I want to cash and so you guys go see my big fucking movie or the fact of or, or just a matter of the fact that here you have a TV show manga movie that takes place so far into the future that what at one point was you know white people live in north america and europe and you know black people are in africa and they and you know japanese people are over in japan and china you know all that has blended so much to where who used to be white now looks more you know, like this or like that, you know, like the races have blended so much that. Yeah, I mean, half of of anime takes place in a town called Neo Tokyo. And so, yeah, sure, it's part Tokyo, but it's also part Neo. And that guy was the whitest motherfucker alive in the Matrix movies. So, <laughs> I mean, you, you can't argue that Keanu Reeves is Asian because he had to learn Kung Fu by getting uploaded in his brain. Yes. Um, The last thing I'll say, honestly, is I am excited for um new 
especially with if the depending on how the format is of the new anime whether it be a movie or a tv series um but and this goes into the weird subbed and dubbed thing um and i i will share real quickly i'm always of what did i hear it first in did i hear it first in sub with subtitles then i will continue to hear it with or watch it with subtitles but if i heard it dubbed i want to hear that english cast again so if it's yeah if it's got the same people involved and they're the same you know characters i want to hear them doing that you know reprising their roles i know it, it's not right but i my love of sailor moon came from watching the english version of the show which was mm-hmm. completely chopped up and fucked up and characters changed genders and everything else and it was all pretty dumb compared to the original but that's how i i watched sailor moon and and with ranma i was watching ranma and all the stuff we were watching was the dub stuff so that's how i picture rama is those voices those those characters speaking in english and not to take anything away from from the subbed uh which is probably closer to the original intents and everything that's just how it was back to marvel (laughs) news so a squirrel girl centric new warriors tv show gets a full series order so this is before this is the start of a freeform universe um, and I don't mean like freeform, like hey, anything goes. I mean, the TV network Freeform now has two Marvel TV shows in the works over there, in development. Um, now, where's Runaways? Runaways is happening on Hulu. Yes, Runaways is on Hulu. Um, Inhumans will be on ABC. Um, Cloak and Dagger is on Freeform. Squirrel, uh, the new Warriors TV show will be on Freeform as well. Um, I don't think there's anything else in the way of TV at yet. the moment. Yeah. Although, but, I mean, this keep is waiting for Power Pack. Yeah. This is, but this is actually honestly really interesting to me because um, this is going to be more of a comedy. And so I've, I heard something where they taught where um, I forget who it was. It was like one of the, the programming people, one of the uh, freeform executives. Um, said that there could actually be a few different ways that they do this you know whether they do like they've been doing a little bit like a comedy night and like mondays is the freeforms comedies um i'm using air quotes because some of them shows like young and hungry or baby daddy um you sort of get lost you sort of just be like yeah i could um and then you have the other nights where it's like you know it's more the drama is like you're switched at births and you're um uh the fosters pretty little and, liars which is finishing up yeah pretty little liars which is finishing up like like uh uh switch at birth is too and so you could do that like you know keeping the genres or the genres there because i guess cloak and dagger is going to be more of a drama where runways or not runways uh new warriors is going to be more of a comedy or do we do a marvel night you know do we have a brand like a possibly with something branded with Mar- for marvel um where we we've got you know here's the squirrel girl and the new warriors you know half hour hour long comedy or whatever it is, will be and then here's the hour drama of um cloak and dagger see that that's the thing is that <clears throat> if new warriors is considered a comedy then it makes more sense to pair it with a comedy. And then you also look at what the CW is doing 
where other than when they moved uh, recently, they moved Legends of Tomorrow to After Flash. Initially, they were doing all the the superhero shows on separate nights, and I think that's the way they want to bring it back next year. Is that there's going to be one every night? It looks like of the week when they introduce uh, Black Lightning into the mix, but trying to give them their own standing so that it's not just an overpowering like here's two DC superhero shows in a row uh, or here's two on this night and then two on the next night and then one on a third night trying to keep them separated out makes a little bit more sense because then you keep getting people back the idea is to say oh I'm watching uh, Flash and oh what's on after Flash if I just stick around on this channel maybe I'll check out this other CW show uh, maybe after I watch Arrow I'll watch Supernatural or maybe I watch Supergirl and I watch iZombie afterwards or whatever the case may be so in that regard especially with only two shows and with them supposedly having different feels I would say have them separate yeah I'm also kind of weirded out by the fact that it's Squirrel Girl with the New Warriors, and Squirrel Girl has no real standing with the New Warriors. And the New Warriors themselves, while they have some comedic characters in them, namely Speedball, uh, they were taken... I mean, when you start out with them in the 90s, they were more of a semi-serious superhero group. Uh, they've done some comedy stuff with them years later after they fucked them up really bad in the first Civil War, but finally eventually got them back together. But I'm I'm kind of I'm not exactly sure why this was the choice of where to put her as opposed to doing like a Great Lakes Avengers, other than the fact that they probably can't get the title Avengers for the TV series at this point. Yeah, I mean I could see that. Um, and also, I mean I th- like I think you know just doing like New Warrior. I don't know. I, I like using the New Warriors name because you do get these other characters that you can bring in, and it not be something super serious or something like that. But they haven't named any other characters at this point either, as far as no, I yeah. know. So that's that's the other part is, do I want to... I mean, who are they going to use? Are, are they going to use... Speedball would make sense, although Speedball's power set is one of those things that you'd have to spend a good amount of money on to get to work on yeah. TV. Um, the Marvel Boy, Vance Astro, whatever character that they have playing him Justice. Uh, Firestar was part of the new warriors Nimarito was part of the new warriors i'm not sure who the characters are on the team now because it's gone through so many incarnations uh it'd be um, great if it was night thrasher with his 90s cool armor and skateboard uh but but that's the thing it, it's it's really what are they going to do and what is a comedy with superheroes look like because the closest we've seen on tv so far in that regard has been powerless which isn't mm-hmm. really focused on the superheroes it's focused on the people around them. And Marvel has talked about doing a damage control show that would be very similar, um, which would lend more to comedy too. Yeah. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to see more about what this is going to be. But Squirrel Girl is something that we've wanted to see happen. And there have been actresses who've been pitching to play Squirrel Girl. Uh, some some reasonably well-known actresses and then some that are just up and coming like uh, the girl who played Barb uh, in Stranger Things and is now playing uh, I forget what she's playing Enid I think on Riverdale yeah uh, she wanted to play Squirrel Girl Anna Kendrick 
had pitched to play Squirrel in a movie. Uh, that was kind of a big deal. I, I, I like the I like the first choice you said there of the actress who played Barb. I, I really like her too. I like both. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I like both too, but the Anna Kendrick, I, I don't think her her comedy necessarily would suit. Well, I also don't see her coming to TV uh, on Freeform of all things to do the role that she was talking about doing in the movie. Oh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely in, in a movie, but I mean, you know, we And I guess if Phoenix turns out to be the one who killed Cheryl Blossom's brother, then they can get her away from the CW to do this. <laughs> Yeah, just kill her off in all the shows and all the things. Um, I don't. Know, I'm honestly excited, like about this show. I mean, because I've been where I I've I read the last incarnation of New Warriors, um, where they were traveling around on Mount Wondergor. Yes, I said that correctly. They were traveling around on the Mount Wondergor, um, all throughout the. Like all throughout the universe, like it's a giant freaking TARDIS. Um, and I I do think you know putting Squirrel Girl in there would make probably the most sense, you know, because you know she's one of those characters where she's not always super serious. I mean, she's mainly there to you know she's here to kick butts and eat nuts. If you like what you've heard on this Galactic Network podcast, please consider helping us out financially by going to gncast.com slash support. On that page, you'll find links to our Patreon campaign where you can make a small recurring monthly pledge of as little as $1. Or click on our Amazon affiliate link, make a purchase, and we get a very small percentage from the sale. Again, go to gncast.com slash support. And thank you for supporting the Galactic Network podcast. And we are back, and it is time for the Else Views. Um, this is the segment where we talk about the shows that we, um, or books that we have read, you know, the things that we've been enjoying over the past two weeks. Um, Corey, let's start with you, because I have no idea what The Void is. Okay, so... <sighs> Comcast has been, uh, on their on-demand, they sometimes will give you the chance to watch movies that are still out in the theater uh, or are just coming out in the theater. My wife watched a preview for this movie last week and we decided to check it out. It's called The Void. It is a horror movie. So I'm not going to go too much into this because we might wind up doing it on Podcast of Terror at some point. But it's got some very 80s aesthetic kind of choices made in it. One is the usage of practical effects, which is highly in place in there. Uh, two is the the kind of like at the end, things come together in such a way that it goes into more of that 80s style green screenish type of look. Uh, and it's kind of evocative of how they were doing the, the Thor trailer, how they, they try to bring some of the 80s feel into it, even though it's a modern film. It has a lot of, not necessarily connections, but it's reminiscent of things like the Hellraiser series by Clive Barker. Also by uh, Clive Barker is uh, Nightbreed. I I see a lot of the cabal kind of stuff into it. And to me, very evocative of Prince of Darkness, which is a John Carpenter movie from the 80s. Mm -hmm. It's just 
really pretty freaking cool. And I don't yeah. want to say a lot about it because there's a lot that could be spoiled. But it essentially it starts out with people getting killed in a house and then a cop finds one of them who managed to get away and takes him to the local hospital. And then people in the hospital start going crazy and all of these sort of cult style people start showing up around the hospital. They're all wearing white hooded outfits with these sort of like weird painted uh, symbols on their faces and everything. And they're just standing there. They're not even necessarily coming into attack. They're just kind of like standing there witnessing stuff. <clears throat> and it just goes nuttier from there. It was, I think all in all, probably one of the strongest horror movies that I've seen in a while. And certainly that came out of nowhere. And uh, one of those things that I argue about is, are, are people willing to do stuff that are original ideas anymore? And this was a, an original idea that has, yes, throwback feels to it, but it still stands out because they weren't just emulating something else. They weren't just copying something else. It's not the new Chucky movie. It's not the new Nightmare on Elm Street or anything like that. It was something all on its own. And I could definitely see it continuing and becoming a franchise on its own. And that's really exciting to me right now is that while I don't necessarily need it to be a franchise, it would make sense for it to have a sequel because there's so much stuff that's left unexplained at the end, but yeah. it still gives you a very satisfying ending at the same time. Uh, I didn't really recognize anybody in it except for the girl who played Knives in Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Uh, she plays a assistant nurse in this. But yeah, I mean, if you have the opportunity to go see this in the theater right now, uh, you definitely should support this film because it's one of those things that I think people are going to pick up more on later and and want to see more from these guys and, and they deserve every bit of success that they get. Uh, or if you have the chance to just watch it on demand like we did, that's a perfectly reasonable thing to do because it's still going to pay the, the creators of the movie and it'll just show that there's interest out there, which I think is incredibly important uh, at this point in time. So... Uh, yeah, I'm sorry to bring a a horror movie to Elts Nerds. I'm kind of cross-pollinating here, but uh, what's funny is that... It's, it's okay. It's okay. I didn't bring a horror movie last time to Podcast of Terror, so we're good. You, that's true. You didn't. Uh, what's funny is also one of the guys who worked on this, Jeremy Gillespie, who's one of the the writers and I think producers of it, uh, worked on too. Suicide Squad. Nice. Uh, um, which... I kind of see some of the aesthetics for it. Both of them did, actually. They both worked on Suicide Squad. And they're working on it. Nice. And for so, Beatmaster, they worked on Hannibal, the TV series. So this this does look interesting to me, even though I'm not a big horror movie fan. Um, And it is, like, there's no question that this is a horror movie. Uh, yeah. This is definitely that. This is one of those things that we have the people sometimes who guest host on our show who aren't really horror fans. This is a horror film, um, but it's really well done. Very compelling story. Very interesting. And the aesthetics were were pretty incredible. Yeah, the only person I'm recognizing from anything is Ellen Wong um who played knives yep 
Um, That's exactly. But yeah, she's the only one that I really knew. Yeah, I'm on the IMDb page, and and it's not to say that nobody else has been in anything else. I mean, uh, the lead woman in this was on the Haven TV series. Alphas. Uh, she had a recurring role on CSI New York, and and things. It's it's just that I did not recognize them from from anything else. And overall, they they all did a bang up job in this. Yeah. Um. So before I get to my pick, be I'm sorry, but I have a quick pick because I found it it's on Netflix. It's been for the longest time on the uk netflix and has now come to american netflix that i think a lot of people need to watch um just because this is classic comedy and that's faulty towers oh wow um, yeah i just happened to see it one day i'm like ooh, watch the pilot and i'm like all right i'm gonna get through this it's only 12 episodes that's it um you know like six episodes for two seasons or two series um, as they say over in over in England, so yeah, check that out. Um, it's on Netflix. It's probably on Netflix worldwide now. Um, which actually, I think this is a steal, a steal from, um, CISO because I think it was on CISO for a little bit, and might still be. But that and that, that's not the show I'm going to get in depth on. The show I'm going to get in depth on is Brockmire. Now, this is the show that is based on the characters that Hank Azaria has created. Now, Hank Azaria, you might know, recognize the name because he's um, the guy who he's the lead guy on here, but also he's um, voices a good third of the vo uh, characters on the Simpsons. Uh, he also and used to be on Herman's head and he did a show on Showtime. Uh, was it? hutch or something that had it, it was kind of like <clears throat> it was kind of ahead of its time um when when he did it and it was him and the guy who played Chekhov in the recent star trek movies um yeah and oh god i i watched it for a little while it was really weird Huff. Uh, it also had, um, mm. God damn it, Patrick Brewster was his wife in it, and it's one of those things that oh, and Oliver Platt because Oliver Platt is probably why I started watching it in the first place. It's one of those things that it was back before cable series like this were really taking off. It was in two thousand four, so maybe HBO was getting somewhere with The Sopranos. And a couple of things here and there, but it was still kind of new for Showtime and HBO to have series that were like everybody was was like hooked on. Um, but it's it's one of those things that I was just like, wow, I can't believe this role for Hank Azaria and this role for for Paget Brewster and and Anthony Elchin was like a kid in this, so it's really interesting to see him be that young and just sort of growing into what he's playing. Yeah. Um, so Wikipedia actually has some of the in-depth stuff on this, but um, Hank Azaria created um, Jim Brockmire for the web series for um, in the third the third episode of Funnier Dies web series uh, Game Changers, which it was the episode titled "A Legend in the Booth." Um, and basically, it, it goes on to explain it, but 
it came, it came to IFC. Um, they ordered the comedy, and the show was written by Joel Church Cooper and directed by Tim Kirby or Tim Kirby, Kirkby. Sorry. Um, and the cast is really small. I mean, there's really only three regular cast members. You got Hank Azaria playing Jim Brockmeyer, Amanda Peet plays Jules, and Tyrell Jackson Williams um, plays Charles. And the basic premise is. Uh, Jim Brockmeyer used to be a big league baseball announcer, um, you know, like like your Joe Buck or, um, you know, someone like that. And he has a breakdown because he catches his wife cheating on him. And so over national TV, he just has a meltdown. And this was back in 2007 in this in this world that they've created and so now it is 2017 or no no it was earlier in that i want to say it was like 2005 um but and you go to you know you fast forward to now he's um jim brockmeyer's done all sorts of different things and he's come back to um a baseball team in um in a small town in uh, Pennsylvania called the frackers to be their PA announcer. Um, everyone, (laughs) um, Amanda Pete plays the owner and then Tyrell Jackson Williams, uh, Charles plays the, he's like the intern, the new media intern on there. And this show is so freaking hilarious. Um, just in how they're, you know, how everything is going along with this. I mean, to hear, like, it wouldn't be surprised if this was like a partially scripted show to where you have, um, you know, like when he's doing the play-by-play calls, he's improvising a lot of that stuff. Um, It's so smooth. So, you know, there are, but there are, yet there are moments where you're, you cringe a little bit at, at this man and the this honestly this air this town um it's the morristown frackers is the name of the minor league baseball team that he is here with um it's ifc so it is really short episodes there's only eight episodes which is so good because there's no fluff there's not room for fluff in here so there's not going to be any you know fluffy episodes that aren't needed and it's already been renewed for season two that will air next year. So have you seen Brockmire? No, I haven't. <clears throat> um, again, I really do highly recommend it. It's not one of those things where you need to know sports because all the teams are made up. It's mainly focusing on minor leagues. Um, the second episode probably right now is my favorite. Um, the first episode is called Rally Cap that basically is just setting up it's you know it's a typical pilot but the second episode's a winning streak it hits on the superstition of baseball and that's oh well if your team won and you did and you did this 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 and this well the next game you got to do this 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 and this which includes Jim Brockmeyer and Jules having sex and them getting so busy because she's also the bartender in town 
um, in this dying town. I mean, it is a dying town. Um, but there's one, an, a, a part in there where you got a little girl out on the field singing the national anthem. They're starting to draw a crowd in because the team's winning and they're getting, a, they're doing a quickie. They're getting a quickie up in the announce booth. So they, before the game starts, they got up and they hit the intercom. So you hear them moaning and all that while they're singing. And I mean, it's been really funny throughout these, the first three episodes and I, oh God, I cannot recommend it enough. Um, like I said, you do not need to be a baseball fan to. And this is it, on IFC? Yes. <clears throat> Although uh, in both these cases of uh, Brock Meyer and The Void, you can uh, click the links that we'll have in the show notes and be able to uh, watch these through the Amazon uh, system. And then yep. it, it's an affiliate link, so it'll give a little bit to the network as well. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean, it's definitely check, check it out. Um, it airs on Wednesdays on IFC Wednesdays at 10, I believe. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's so charming. And I mean, also watching the first episode and then seeing the sponsors, um, they had Sam Adams as one of the sponsors and they actually did a special advertisement with Jim Brockmeyer doing the ad. Um, and I'm like, okay, this is actually fitting. And then in the second episode, because they aired the first two back-to-back, um, they had KY as an announcer. And I'm like, yep, great. Just nailing the advertising for this. And something's getting nailed. <laughs> and it was Amanda Pete's character. Um, But yeah, I mean, so that's it Um, that I got. And we don't have adults' words, so I guess we're going to wrap it up. Which I hope Let's Jim Brockmeyer did in episode two. Whoa. Ha ha. <laughs> Excuse me. So you can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966 or emailing us mail at Um, Give us ideas on what, what to watch. I mean, I've got a couple things planned out for the next couple weeks for my nerding outs unless something else changes. But I always love uh, suggestions. Um, you can find all our subscription options and links under or over at gncast.com slash subscribe. Um, you could you can join our Facebook page under Galactic Network at facebook.com slash galactic netcasts. Um, the following or you can follow the show and the network over on Twitter at Elsnerds at Galactic Netcasts. You can follow our producers at Beatmaster80. Evan is at Mr. Underscore Fusion. You can find me at that Gregor. And Corey, where can people find you? Uh, I don't really do the tweets, so you can find the comics that I help publish at don'tasscomics.com. And the final thing to be said is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you guys next week. Or else, maybe we'll talk a little bit more. Who knows? Talk it, talk it, talk it. <laughs>